Welcome to Showing Our Sass, the podcast. I am your host, Marta Gwen, and this season I am thrilled to introduce my good friend, A.C. Atre Mali, author Snodgrass, as we tackle topics that tend to make people clutch their pearls, especially when it comes to health and wellness. This season, we are going to tackle all kinds of topics related to taking control of our health, and we promise not to pull our punches, because we are living through a time where we just don't have time to play about our health. AC is one of those people who are driven to fight for what's right, whether it's raising awareness for her community of persons living with type 1 diabetes or pushing for fair and equitable treatment of union workers. AC uses her body and her voice to help others. AC also has a habit of trying on a lot of other people's clothes and dancing in front of cameras. You might call her a model, but she would say she just has fun doing things she loves. So without further ado, I present to you Showing Our Sass, Season 1. Let's get into it. Uh, I, well, I told a young man, I said, I don't care if you've eaten today, but I want you to make sure you have a condom in your pocket. And he's yes, like, ma'am. he's like, it's Tuesday at 3 p.m. Why are you saying this? I'm like, I don't, I don't care if you, I'm not, I'm not that kind of, oh, baby, did you eat today? We get something to eat. No, if you need me to send you some money so you can get a box of condoms, that's the most important thing that because that, you missing a hamburger. It's different than her missing her period. It's different than you peeing and burning. That's a whole other conversation. So yeah. I don't care <laughs> about anything else that you make sure you have a, you have a condom on your person at all time. I'm obsessive about it. Um, I just I I we've all seen how sex can change people's lives for the better, definitely, but more often challenges. You know, you. Your young friend when you were in college, that her feelings got hurt because he did something to her and she loved him and she gave it up and then he ain't acting right. I've seen more tears over sex than have this, unfortunately, because it's done out of place. Those scares, those fears. I've taken so many of my friends to the clinics. I've taken some of my friends to places where they have to get checked out to know what's going on, why this is burning, why this is itching. You know, so this is all before Google was what it was. Hold on, his story about when I when I first got to college. Um, when I first got to college, they assumed everybody was getting it in. Everybody. Okay. Yes. So one time, <laughs> oh God, I, I can't believe I'm tell the story. One time, uh, very soon after I started uh, at Tougaloo, I went to the health clinic because I noticed I had this weird, uh, uh, there were little white bumps on my tongue. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I go over to the Sarah Dickey Health Center. And I was like, this is weird. I've never had this on my tongue. And the woman said, are you having oral sex? I said, what? What is that? What? <laughs> what? Because <laughs> I understood the meaning of oral being mouth and sex being the thing that I'm not supposed to be doing yet. And I was like, you can put those two things together. What are you talking about? 18 years old, child. 18 years old. And she looked at me, she was like, oh, I got something. I was like, no, to the best of my knowledge, no. I, I'm not having this thing that you're talking about. Could you explain it? To the best of my knowledge. <laughs> and I was like, and she was like, well, I can use something. What it was is that they were using some kind of seasoning on a fish that I had never encountered before. And I was having an allergic reaction on my tongue. And I was like, but she gave me this uh, green pill. I said, here, take this, it's a clear. And I was like, what is this? <laughs> it's for the set. It's, it's for that, for the oral sex. That's what it's for. I have no idea. So that was the last time I went over to the Sarah yeah. Dickey Health Center for my <laughs> entire four years of being at Tougaloo. Seriously, after that, I went off campus and went somewhere else. Now, the thing is, is that 
those folks are wonderful and they are a wonderful resource for the students yeah. and they have definitely improved their services since <laughs> way back in the year of our Lord, 1998. And but, that was my first experience with on-campus uh, medical care as an adult in college away from my family. And I was like, wow. Yeah. So then of course I had to go study because I had to understand what this thing was. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So thank God for them internets, right? <laughs> Ask other people about what is now. In fairness, though, I did have a good girlfriend in uh, college who, when I just couldn't quite get my head wrapped around something, I could go and ask her, and she would tell me. Yeah, I've been blessed and praise her uh, for the wonderful, wonderful resource that she was and continues to be in my life. Yeah, uh, she yeah. also educated me about liquor, uh, <laughs> which that was another <laughs> thing too. Totally yeah. off subject, but. I didn't drink in college. I mm -hmm. literally, okay, there. I, I've been telling a lie. There are three times I sort of had alcohol in college. I thought, I only remember two until a couple months ago. Once in freshman year, I had half the Zima. And I said, what the hell is this? I'm good. You, I'm supposed to spend my money on this, which tastes gross? I was like, I'm good. I never had a Zima. They say it tastes it's like food. Gross, malt liquor, gross. Um, and so then I forgot about the time I went to go see Adrian um, when she was at Iowa. She and Maya took me to the club in Iowa City. <laughs> and I remember it was a place, you might as well just consider it a honky tonk, which you, you and I were trying to really have fun. You know? Yeah, I know. But we were at the club because I've never been to a club. That's, that's mm. another story for another day, too. I never, yes, I went to college in Mississippi. No, I never went to the club. The entire four years of college, yes, I am a member of a letter sorority, okay? I never set foot inside of a club my four years, except for this one in Iowa. And in there, people had, um, they had beer or whatever. No, you know what? I didn't drink any beer that night either because when we were in there, uh, people were throwing up and there was like sticky surfaces and stuff. I was like, this is gross. That's what I remember. Other than being glad to be with my friends that no, the time that I, the, the time I had my first real drink in college, um, I was in New York and I was just shy of being 21 and, uh, someone who will remain nameless, uh, allowed me to taste bourbon for the first time. And I thought, Oh, that's kind of cool. And I was good. And it wasn't much. And it was whatever. I was like within this much of being at the birthday. Um, but the, the first real, I ordered it for myself because I was fully legal and got carded, was a mm. strawberry daiquiri at Buffalo Wild Wings up the street from your mama house. Mm. I was, wasn't I with you? No, you weren't with me. You were definitely not with me that night because I ended up having to drive somebody who remained nameless back to campus because she drank too much that night. Um, <laughs> so I, was, I don't know why Buffalo Wild Wings, Margarita's taking me back to a place for some reason, which I've, I've never purchased that from Buffalo Wild Wings or what? Maybe no. you told me before, go ahead. And the only reason that I did it is I did not want to be the person who said that the entire time she was in college, she never had her, her own drink that she ordered for herself like a grown-up, um, you know, to go ahead and consume. I had it. I was like, okay, that's good. I'm good. And I was done. You know, <laughs> that's, that was my drinking history in college. Okay, I've gone way off of this thing. But yeah, for some reason, whenever you talk about sex, you end up talking about some alcohol some kind of way. So we'll get back on now. Well, um, about drugs and alcohol is that again when I was when I was working with uh, HIV and 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 you know preventing STIs, there's something we used to do. We used to have like a little game that we would play, and we had to put on drunk glasses, and we all had to you know give the the different 
glass and I everything. Think I did that before. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Because, because little do little did I know because I started a job when I was like 24, 20, 24, 25 years old. And so I hadn't experienced anything. And so I didn't know anything. And this is actually a funny story. When I first got the job, I'm sitting in my office. I'm like, oh, wow, I'm excited. And so she's like, hey, this is the information that you're going to have to you know, teach people and tell people. And, da, da, da. and I'm like, okay. You know, I'm like studying and doing what I need to do because I didn't know a thing about a thing. So they give us these wooden anatomically incorrect penises, basically, that you have to, you know, put the condoms on properly and all this different stuff. And so I'm going over the instructions of how to do it. I'm doing it. I'm, I'm trying to do it. And they proceed to fly off the end of these wooden pieces <laughs> and stick to the wall and slide down like this. This is my first. Oh, day. that's awesome. And I'm sitting there like, oh, my gosh. And so one of my coworkers, who I love, it's an older gentleman, and he's walking by, and he, like, sees this comic fly by and stick to the wall. And he's looking like, and he like, he's like, who is this person? What is going on? And I'm just like, sorry, you know, sorry. And I'm, like, trying to get, and it just will just ricochet, ricochet. And I'm like, what is going on? And so they finally come in, and uh, one of my coworkers, who I love, she comes in, and she's like, baby, you're doing, you're doing it inside out. See, look, you got to look for the pucker. You see the pucker, you got to find the pucker and you hold it and you go like this. This is how you do it. It's all right. You go. You go learn. You go learn. It's about a business. I'm like, oh my god. So I'm like wiping. I'm wiping the the juicy off the off the walls where they had stuck and slid down. I'm just like, this is my first day of work. But by the end of the day, I had it. But at that point, I was like, I can't do this. Um. So awkwardness is just what it is. But that being the case, we had these little tables we would set up and do like a, a round robin kind of thing. And you had to put the drunk glasses on, you spin around four times, and then you had to put the condom on properly. And you know, you had to follow all the directions like, like you were supposed to. But it was because a lot of people have sex under the influence. Yeah. And so if that's so common, you have to still be safe, even if you are high off this or drunk off that, you have to. So there, we figured that if you're able to do this highly intoxicated, you can most definitely do this when you're sober. So it should be muscle memory to put the condoms on properly or insert your female condom properly. So there's no issue um, when you are drunk off your, your butt and you want to have a good time. So there is a, an association, like you said, between alcohol and sex because it happens a lot. A lot of folks say, oh, I didn't know when I didn't know anything, I didn't know anything. Well, if you had that muscle memory, you still, <laughs> you'd be good right That's now. True. You know, and, and maybe that was a, a really timely uh, segue in there too, because here's the thing, and this may rock some people's world. It is entirely possible for both a man and a woman to get in the mood to have sex without having to consume alcohol, bever alcoholic beverages, or take any other kind of extraneous stimulant. It takes some time, it takes some creativity, but it can actually be way more fulfilling. Because here's the thing, um, here's some facts. Alcohol is a depressant. Alcohol can affect some men's ability to maintain a stiff erection. Yeah, we're gonna say some words now. Um, <laughs> so and if you are not a woman who is very skilled at figuring out the technique of getting that condom worked in when a male's penis is not fully erected, that can be problematic. It can be frustrating. It can make you make a decision because you know, men can have sex without being fully erect. Men can impregnate you without being fully erect. There are things that you need to understand about each other's bodies so that you can be prepared for the situation, okay? Mm -hmm. um, can you imagine the sense of failure in a woman's mind if her expectation is that every time he's ready to get down, every time he wants to be with me, he should be looking like, uh, what you call it, Mandingo or whatever, 
All right. That's what we have in our mind. Like, we think men are walking around all the time, hard as hell, just trying to, you know, figure out how to stick their dick inside of somebody. And no, there's many stages of erection that men can have. And people get very uncomfortable talking about and thinking through these things. Um, I can remember being very early into my sexual activity and not fully understanding why something could work one time this way and didn't work the same way another time. Mind you, I'm in the covenant of marriage at that time, um, but this was still not something that was a, a great conversation. And I will give my ex-husband this. He was very patient with me um, in the beginning because I was a virgin, he was not. Um, and in that way, I can be generous in saying like he, he could have made me feel way worse about my ignorance in a lot of things when we first got married than he did. Um, so I will give him kudos for that. But, um, you know, when you think about when you think about the level of discomfort and the level of lack of information, even for those who go seeking after information, um, reliable, verifiable, truthful information, it amazed me when I got to graduate school and I was having conversations with some people because I was at Ohio State, um, the, um, the, the sheer volume of knowledge people obtained about sexual reproduction and health by watching porn. Yes. And here's the way I found out about it. One of my, well, two of my classmates, actually, I, I was in sociology. Two of my classmates, uh, we, we had a class, the, the sociology of, well, sociology of marriage, I was a, um, a, a TA for, but there was another one, I think it was sociology of sex. Like you can do sociology of everything. Mm -hmm. And I just remember that they were doing some kind of examination of uh, pornography, uh, looking at the different impacts on health and, and stuff like that too. It was really fascinating, the research that they were doing to me because we don't openly talk about a lot of that stuff. But mm -hmm. I also remember they were really exhausted from having had to watch this. Cause you, you think, oh, I have a legitimate research uh, reason for going in and watching something that people think is taboo, but actually it could be exhausting mm -hmm. uh, from what they were saying to watch that level of, in many cases, fantasy mm -hmm. and mis mis misdirected information about how regular, I don't want to say regular because that's not, that's not the best way to say it, but your day-to-day -day sexual encounters are likely to be. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it, it's very heightened and elevated and, and, and all that kind of stuff, that, the, the content that comes through on there. Um, also, sociology tends to own a lot of um, uh, responsibility in it for understanding, well, sociology and psychology. So the social sciences on the impacts of uh, those messages on your brain and how you transfer that to what you expect to have happen in the real world. I love social sciences because the hardest science in the world to me is sociology and psychology because human beings are insane. And it's just, they're so beautifully complicated. I, I can't imagine we have we have figured out how to map the human genome. We still can't figure out how this woman chooses this man and can't get away from him, or this man gets enamored of this woman and then can't get away from her, even when it's not healthy for him. We still don't understand that mystery as well as we could. But reeling back in, um, when whenever we have an opportunity to help people get better information about how their bodies work, about understanding why I had this response when this thing happened. Ooh, another story. College years, 
I used to hear stories about women who were worried about um, releasing the pressure of being aroused without going and jumping the first male that they could find. One of the things that was floating around was that, oh, you can get yourself off by sticking a broom handle inside of your vagina. Wait, where did you go to school? I don't know what the hand fetch you talking about right now. <laughs> Listen, that was not just at my campus. I'm talking broadly because you could have, we had dial pad and all that kind of stuff. So people talking about the things that people would do so to try to, you know, figure out where their G-spot was, to figure out all this other kind of stuff. Like they, they were desperately trying to figure out their systems in a way. Why didn't they just get a toy? Why would they use a broomstick? Oh, some some would get toys, but girl, do you the whole industry, like think about think about that for a second. You're gonna go and order a sex toy. Say you're gonna order a vibrator or um uh or nipple clips or whatever, all the stuff. Where are you gonna send it to when you're living on campus? You're gonna have it come to your campus box? Everybody knows they will not necessarily put the name of the store on there. But if you get a, a brown wrap package that's got your name on it that doesn't have the return address or the company's coming on there, people figure out that that's something that you got that you really don't want them to know. It's, it's probably something having to do with sex toy. Really? I mean, it's, the, it's the way to pay. You, you can ration that out because most companies, if they're delivering something, you're going to see a logo of the company. So you're saying that it would just, it would just arouse suspicion because they would, I, I mean, you're saying it would arouse suspicion because it wasn't labeled properly. But people would go so far. Because of the way they label it, because of the way they label it to try to avoid people knowing what is in the box. Very mm -hmm. few companies purposely obscure their logos when they send stuff out, except for ones that are coming from like a sex toy distributor. That's interesting. You know, I mean, because we assign shame with it. Why do we have to do that? I mean, how many people? I'm still stuck in the <laughs> I'll say this though. I, when we used to, when I, when I worked where I worked, we would also uh, go into women, uh, the prisons with women and we would, uh, speak with women who are HIV positive and prepare them for life out in the world and explain to them, because a lot of them were sex workers, explain to them how to prevent the spread of the disease. Um, and it was wild because they were talking about um, the dildos that they would make. Like, so they were like, how, what they would do is that they would get the inside of a paper towel roll, stuff it with saran wrap to make it solid, and yeah. then wrap that up with saran wrap to make it smooth enough right and and they were just talking like so what do i do so we we had to basically take information from what they would say to what they were using and then find sanitary ways for them to continue to engage with what they're going to do because people are going to do what they do so you know they have like finger cocks they have all these different things that you can use to find pleasure with yourself or whomever and still maintain a level of safety but mm -hmm. it was wild to me at that point in my life, uh, because I was so green that somebody would go to that degree for something like that. I get it now, but I was baffled at the time. Uh, oh, handmade, when, handmade dildos? Yeah, I mean, homemade, sorry, not handmade, homemade yeah, dildos. Both. both. Um, the the <laughs> different thing. So I remember, okay, so when I was in college was when Howard Stern's movie came out, Private Parts. Mm. And there was a scene in that movie where uh, Howard was telling a woman that he could make her uh he can make her come 
basically just by making noises on the radio. And she's like, no, nah. he's like, no, nah, this is what you do. And it, it, it's a legit part. It's, it's one of the most controversial parts of that movie. Uh, he told a woman and they showed her taking the speaker that she had, turning it a certain way on the floor. He ramped the bass up real uh, uh, big on his uh, broadcast or whatever it was and told her how to adjust the thing. And essentially he vibrated. He made a big vibrator for her. And then she has this, you know, mm -hmm. uh, she has this orgasm on the thing where she's screaming the name. It was a big deal. In fact, in the movie, uh, that was where he got in trouble. He really did that. In real life, Howard Stern really did that in real life and got in trouble with his radio station uh, for having crossed the line because I forget who he was with at the time. But that was something the censors thought was inappropriate uh, to, to do on the to do on the radio. And um, I, I, I think about that. And I'm like. The different things that women would do, I mean, they make because <laughs> I've looked this stuff up. Because I'm generally curious, they make um, like little tiny motors that like a motor that you might put in a car or something like that, they make these kinds of things, wrap them up with something so that women can actually straddle these things so they can stimulate themselves so that they can have an orgasm. There, there's a huge industry when it comes to what they call sex toys. Well, um, I mean, sex toys are infinite. And, and part of what we had to do was to speak with women who were either having or using them for themselves or using it with their partners and how to clean them properly, how to make sure they were being safe, because you can still transfer diseases by way of your toys if you're not cleaning them properly. So oh I, my goodness, I, yeah. I, that's the thing is like, I understand that aspect of it. Um, the ignorance that I had at the time was, I didn't understand this, the intensity or the severity or the obsession that there was with that. But I, I mean, I, I get it now. Once you start, which is something we have to, I guess, uh, kind of cut some slack to our teenagers, because once you start having sex, it does increase your want to have sex because you, you are associating that feeling with that person, that thing, and it's great. But if our teenagers are experiencing sex, they're saying, hey, you might have had sex when you were such and such age. You should definitely wait another 20 years until you're ready to get married. That's not logical, nor is it fair. And most people no. aren't doing that. I'm not saying not to do it. I waited, like I said, but I'm saying people are human beings and they might not be able to do that. And so when it comes, if you're saying, hey, no, you cannot experience oral sex, Anal sex, you know, vaginal sex, cell stimulation. You can't have any type of sexual experience whatsoever. You cannot affiliate pleasure with sex. You can't do it. You can't you just cut it. Just no. it, right. You're going to hell. You're going to hell. You're putting your soul you in jeopardy if you go ahead and do that. And I'm like, to your body. yeah, yeah. It's so it's, 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 it's an issue. It is. It's just women, women, females don't understand. Like if if you haven't figured out. <laughs> self-stimulation to the point where you can know what an orgasm feels like and what it doesn't feel like. And your first time dealing with that is with a man who may or may not have the experience to know how to get you there. When you don't understand that your body can start to associate happiness with a man's particular ability to go ahead and get you there to the point where you can get addicted to it. Like that's the stuff that makes me kind of crazy. I'm like, why do we wrap shame around understanding how to make our bodies do certain things or how to release our bodies from certain kinds of pressures. Cause the thing is, is that you're right. Once, once you start having sex, the body's like, Oh, we've leveled up. Okay. So we like that. We would like to do that again. You really need to know how to do that safely. You need to know how to manage it. That's like, if you were taking it out of the human, uh, uh, the human systems thing, you have, 
one successful test drive in a car. And all of a sudden you jump and say, all right, I'm ready to go to the Indy. Yeah. I'm a professional now. I have mm-hmm. crossed that threshold, not respecting the fact that people practice. They wear certain kinds of clothing. They do all this stuff. They're very disciplined. They watch what they eat. Same thing with the question. You have a good ride on a horse as a tourist, like mm-hmm. I did when I went to uh, California. And all of a sudden, you had to go ahead and uh, go to uh, run over to Oakland or or one of the <laughs> racetracks. Right. And you're like, I could be a jockey because I've been on a horse before. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally, that sounds ridiculous. But we're like, as soon as you start in there, okay, you you know everything you need to know now. You you you've had your first encounter. Go mm-hmm. forth and I can out your line. That's so wrong. I shouldn't say it that way. <laughs> but yeah, but, that's but, what we but, do. But the I point mean, that you making, the thing that the point that you're making, and, and I and I want to make this part so clear, is that I think it's the multifaceted approach to sex that's important. I think that like I was my father. Being who he is, he's like, hey, you know, abstain from sex. I'm like, okay. My mother's like, hey, you know, wait. Yeah, but if you choose not to, this is what you to be safe. Be safe. Yeah. I'm right. So I had both parents giving me the full spectrum of what I needed to do. And I think that that's the part because there are emotional connections that we have when we have sex. And people can pretend and play and say all day that they feel nothing, that this man or this woman is like a sex toy with a heartbeat. I, has, I feel nothing every time I have sex. That's an issue because most of us do. And if you do, you're, you're now giving this person has a certain level of power over you because they it's a memory. You know, you'll, you, I'll, I'll sit up and be thinking like, man, remember that? Let's not whatever. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You do that. But let's say it's a person that doesn't mean well, doesn't mean you well. It's a person that doesn't love you. It's a person that doesn't like you. It's a person that might even want to harm you. But now you're associating something that's very enjoyable with the person who does not have their best interest. And it's so an energy exposed, exchange. Energy exchange. Energy exchange. And and my personal um, viewpoint was that I did not feel that anyone was worth giving my energy and me receiving their energy unless I knew that you would also take a bullet for me. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? It's too much power. And and I'm big about possessing my own power. So I am giving this person parts of me that is putting me at risk or making me vulnerable. And I don't like those feelings. And so I want to see a person I can trust. That's me. But if a person is like, oh, well, I want to just have a good time with a person. How can I say to do that? That's another facet to what sex is. And I think we have to have a all-inclusive conversation about it because how I put sex on this, in this, on this level, not everybody will. And so it's not fair to assume that we're all going to be the same way. So if we all look at it from, I want to just do it this way or that way, I want, I, whatever it is, we have to make sure that we are fully informing everyone who wants to engage in any sexual act whatsoever. Thanks for tuning in to Showing Our Sass Season 1. Taking control of your health choices. The college prep. We hope you enjoyed listening on today and we look forward to seeing you back for the next episode.